we've got a little uh, 70s, 80s, early 80s. Soothing probably. sounds. Yeah, just in the background. Into the background. Okay. Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I am Trevin Stoltzfus, and I am super stoked about this, Donnie. We've been talking about Absolutely. this for a long time, yeah. and I finally got you here. And uh, introduce yourself to the audience. You have got a ton of stuff on your plate. <laughs> I do, yes, sir. But well, I, I just want to take this time because you've got such great stories. <laughs> and so, uh, well, let's start. Introduce yeah, yourself. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. First and foremost, thank you for having me on. Uh, we got to stop linking up these once once a year sort of thing. I know. Yeah, get out on some hunts, right. stalk some big bulls, have a good time out yeah. there. But uh, yeah, first and foremost, thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, I run uh, Paleo Track Survival. It's a primitive living wilderness survival school out of uh, Monument, Colorado. And uh, I teach folks from all walks of life how to, you know, simply go to the wilds of the world and not just survive, but truly live and thrive in that environment. Um, everything from making simple stone tools uh, to hunting game with those stone tools to building shelters and foraging and scavenging amongst the landscape and just just truly living within it and kind of going back to our roots uh, as far as how we go about living in a, in a natural world and becoming part of that natural world. So, so, yeah. so how did Donnie Dust? Donnie Dust. Sounds, that sounds like a freaking wrestler's name. It does. You know what I mean? Like, it does. now, Donnie Dust. Anyway, Donnie does. How did you go? You're a, a Marine. Yep. Thanks for serving. Oh, my pleasure. Thank and, you. And um, how did you go from a, being a Marine to uh, where you had tactical gear, tactical training. Oh, yeah. I mean, you knew that the, the equipment you carried with you was life-saving and you depended on it to much more of a, of a almost stepping away from yeah. some of the things that we take for granted uh, equipment-wise and learning that, uh, I don't even know how to say, but that primitive lifestyle. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's kind of... Um I kind of call it a full spectrum. I've seen both sides and I enjoy both, both sides and they both have their applications. So when I was in the Marine Corps, I started off as an infantryman. And then uh, later on throughout my career, I had you know various jobs. Some were uh, you know, teaching, um, some were teaching survival, some were teaching guys how to rig, a, you know, helos, how to spy rig and uh, repel out of them. But no matter what, I always had certain gear and the gear was an enabler to get a job done. So as an infantryman, I was a machine gunner. I shot all sorts of guns and um, you know, every machine gun had its task, its purpose, and its function. And that's kind of how that gear played out. So as a combat veteran, the gear that I wore, the vests, the firearms, the, you know, the optics, all those things were enablers for me to complete a mission, complete a task. And I like to say that that environment requires certain gear. So if I go skiing with my wife and kids or I go rock climbing, I employ the gear necessary for that task. And I think over time, always having this gear, it really started to weigh on me. So when I actually left the Marine Corps, I was like, you know what? It's time to give this stuff up. It's time to really give it up. And, and it's been a process. It wasn't kind of a, a single day, but as I was in the Corps and I was starting to be, you know, stateside a little bit more, I was like, you know what? It's time to get rid of some of this and really start to understand the freedom of having less, knowing more, caring less, and then ultimately being able to do the exact same thing. So if it's walking 20 miles in a day and drinking from streams and taking game, you can do it with less. You just have to know more, carry less. So I went through this process where I got rid of all of my gear and I said, how did it all start? How did we, as a, as a people, how did we start on this journey? And it really came down to stone tools, lithic technologies. And uh, I found a guy 
that could make some very simple stone tools, and I bought a few of them from him. And I said, all right, this is how I'm going to learn. So I'm going to learn to do these things, work a blade, work a knife, work a hand axe. And through that process, just like anyone, you know, you get your first bow, you get your first rifle, and then you're like, you know what, I want, I want to make one. I want to tune it myself. I want to do my own Flemish twist on these, the, the strings. But that was kind of my process saying, all right, I have these stone tools. Now I need to make them. I need to maintain them. And it just exploded into this passion of, holy cow, I can do so much with these stone tools. And that's all I really need. I just need some simple cutting agents, uh, whether it's uh, arrow points, dart points, hand blades, hand axes, adzes. Uh, I make stone drill bits that I can drill wood with, lash, uh, you know, packs together. And I mean, it's really endless. That was, that was my process. And from that, it allowed me to explore other new options into how I take game, um, how I purify and clean water, how I, you know, take care of myself when I'm out in the backcountry. And it's just been, it's been liberating. It's been very free, but gear still serve a purpose in many applications. Like I said, skiing, rock climbing, uh, aspects of hunting, it serves its purpose. And you just really have to know that, know where it falls in, and then how you kind of weave yourself into that pattern. And that's kind of what I've done. I've taken everything that I know and I've woven myself a new blanket and that's how I, you know, go out in the bush and kind of do my thing, if you will. So take me through um, the progression that you went through. Did you, the first time you went out, you bought uh, a, a stone knife. Yeah. You bought, uh, what, what, walk yeah. me through your gear, your gear bag when you were yeah. first getting started. Absolutely. So my, my gear bag was uh, pretty down and dirty. I had a hand blade, which is, if you think of something maybe the size of a deck of cards, uh, kind of in a teardrop shape. That was my hand blade, and that was kind of serving as my my old buck knife, my old you know folder or my old little uh, fixed blade, um, you know steel knife. So that was my hand, my uh, hand blade, and then I had a hand axe, which was a larger version of that that I could chop, get through tendons with. I could fell trees with small trees, <laughs> right. not taking down any redwoods, but uh, I could definitely take down some small trees. Uh, I could use them as you know staves or ridge poles or any sort of uh, tooling, if you will. That, that actual wood. Now, 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 let me just stop you because what I see that is, is yes, that's a, you have to be willing to put the extra, exert the extra energy oh, yeah. in order to do that. Because if I take a modern axe with a handle and stuff like that, I could cut that same tree down in half the effort. Seconds. Yeah. Seconds. Yeah. So you, so in a survival type of of mode and and i don't want to call you a survivalist as much as a you know you you're much more primitive than even just a survivalist sure you 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 literally expect to have to survive so you're planning for it right survival sometimes happens when you get out there and you get caught exactly yeah. Okay. Um, and we do need to be able to know some survival tactics to, to, if something happens. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, if, if I'm out there and I get caught and I can't get back to my tent and my sleeping bag, I need to have a poncho. I need to, have, you know, absolutely. so, so you're, you don't have any of those things. So you're no. expecting to have to survive. But in a situation like that, there's an amount of calories you need to intake each absolutely. day. Yeah. You know, as I'm thinking through all this stuff, but you have to plan for that because you, your exertion of energy is going to be higher than somebody who has modern tools. Absolutely. You know, and there's a huge truth to that. As you use primitive tools, your calorie intake needs to increase because you're burning through it. You really are. Using a hand axe to fell, let's say, a three-inch diameter tree is going to require some time. What you start to develop, though, is a, is a new approach. You slow it down. 
You don't, you're not as aggressive into what you're doing because you're not in a hurry. You're expecting it to take longer. Exactly. So how I go about approaching that tree is I look at it and say, I need to fell this tree. Where's the smartest spot to start? And what are the angles that I want to hit at? And every stroke, every, every punch with that hand axe has a purpose. And it allows me to say, all right, let me score around the tree. Since it's only three inches in diameter, once I get a good score down cut, then I get a good score up cut, then I can just bend it over and it breaks. So I don't even have to cut all the way through. Right. It's using just simple physics and simple kind of, you know, I always tell people the number one survival skill is creativity. You know, everything we have, yeah. we've, we've created. Right. And it's enabled us to go very far into this life, to everything you see around us. So in that capacity, that stone axe fells that tree, which creates a shelter. Maybe it's not a textbook shelter, but it's a shelter that I can live in for the night, stay warm, keep myself, you know, safe from the environment and, you know, kind of move on to the next day. But no matter what, the process of using those stone tools just kind of slows everything down. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you, you're, te- you're, you're right now teaching people this. You take people out. Absolutely. And you uh, t- talk me through that, okay? Somebody comes to <laughs> yeah. you and, uh, you know, he lives in the suburbs, moved to Colorado from <laughs> yeah. back east, and they want to go through this. Uh, I mean, you can't just say, okay, well, take all your clothes off and we're going to go out and loincloth, right? Because, I mean, the guy could die. Yeah, absolutely. That's a weird uh, intro if that was the way you were going to yeah, go into be yeah. like welcome to the class take your clothes off <laughs> <laughs> but how talk me through he comes to you he says yeah. hey i want to take this class yeah absolutely so a lot of the guys that come to me a lot of guys and gals that come to me say hey um i'm a hunter i'm an outdoorsman i spent my whole life doing it and uh you know i see you online i follow you online whether it's on instagram or youtube or any capacity and i'm inspired i want to do that i want to try that i want a new experience in my life to just know that i can if i ever have to um so when they come to me, it's very easy then to kind of, I hate using the word sell, but it's very easy to say, well, you're right. You should do this. Let's do it together. Let me help you because I've gone this path. I've taken this journey and I can definitely help you get from where you are now to where you want to be. And uh, yeah, so the, the, the conversations we have are kind of, so what do I need to bring for gear? And I'm like, well, nothing. Uh, there's a couple core things that we can bring. I want you to bring some aspect of a blanket. Maybe it's just a, a buckskin, uh, a full, you know, like mule, nice tanned out muley. So something. I can't, I can't bring my freaking Yeti uh, backcountry blanket. That, that, that you know, you can. Uh, well, and and the thing is though, you're trying to get him to bring stuff that would be uh, applicable that you could that you could harvest yourself absolutely and then and utilize in a situation yeah but you might have to help them they, they might not have the skills to get that in this way uh, let me give you primitively a, yeah let me give you this story so okay. i had these four guys out one was a doctor one was a police officer and these two guys ran a bike shop and they were like we want to go out and we want to do a three-day hunter gatherers primitive skills course and i said excellent what i want you guys to pack is a blade a blanket a bottle and an aspect of a burn. Those are the four hardest things to replicate in the bush. Think about it, a bottle. What can you do with a bottle? You can carry water, you can boil water. And even if you can boil water, you can hot rock boil. So a vessel of some sort, a blanket, you're not making a blanket. You might make it out of grass, or if you take a bit large animal, a nice buffalo rope, something of that capacity. But that takes time. It takes time. Yeah, you, you. if you need it tonight, you kill that buffalo today. I mean, yeah. Okay. Different story, you know what I mean? So then with the blade, hey, bring a blade, all right? And then. And so they can bring just. Uh, they can bring that. And then I always caveat at the very end and say, bring what you think you need. 
Okay, right. So I sent out that email. Everyone's Roger I got a Dodge. backpack that would be about 55 <laughs> exactly. pounds. Well, that's part. That's my first lesson. So we link up wherever our link up point is. And I say, all right, let's do our little quick gear inspection and see what you guys have. And without a doubt, without fail, every single time. And in this particular case, these four gentlemen brought over nice big packs loaded to the T. I said, all right, guys, dump it out. Let's see what you got. Because we kind of like to do a little, you know, quasi gear inspection. Um, so they start going through all these things. And without fail... Every single time, they always say, Donnie, where's your gear? I say, hold on one second. And I run around to the nearest tree or nearest rock, and I pull out my blade, my blanket, my bottle, and an aspect of a burn, a fire set, ferro rod, something of that capacity. And they're like, that's all you're bringing? I say, absolutely, man. So let me, let, me, let me paint this picture to you. Everyone right now, you've all got 550 cord, paracord. I'm like, hold it up. What we're going to do over the next three days is probably make well over 100 yards, 100 feet, if you will, of natural cordage. So if you want to learn how to do it, use it and employ it in a variety of ways take your paracord put it back in your pack and we're not going to bring it and we run through every piece of gear say all right how many of you got a blade oh i've got a blade all right well, let's take that blade if you guys want to learn how to nap a stone turn that stone into a nice little hand blade to process your game to cut your fireboards fell a tree if you want to learn that pack your blade away and by that time light bulbs start going off and then when it comes down to food it's always all right You've got mountain man meals, MREs. So everyone take a look on your feet right now. And I always strategically place a wild edible right around us. So everyone take a look down. That's wood sorrel. Pick it up. Eat it. What does it taste like? They're like citrusy. I'm like, exactly. The forest is a buffet of food. You just got to know how to find it, resource it, hunt it, trap it, scavenge it, forage it. It's out there. If you want to learn how to do that, pack your meals away and let's go. And by this entire process, everything they brought is back in their packs minus a few simple little things, maybe that one bottle in capacity and one little blanket, and we head out in the bush. So okay, we now, now how are they dressed? So uh, most of the times you try to dress uh, comparable to the, what the weather's gonna be. So I try to stress people to wear a pair of trousers, some sort of pants, um, an athletic shoe, a hiking boot in that capacity, because we're not quite into the wearing of the skins yet. Right, so I want us right. to work skills first, okay. understand it. And this is a three day sort of thing. So let's work skills. And as we get to the 10 day and 15 day and 20 day, then we start working into the, like, all right, loincloths, jackets, you know, sleeping bags in that capacity that are all made of out of, out of animal hides and pelts and robes and so on and so forth. So we walk in with nothing, very, very little. And the coolest part is walking out a couple days later and seeing what our kits now are, yards of naturally spun quarters that we've trapped with, we've caught fish with, packs made of willow and grass that we're carrying all of our gear in, back mats of woven grasses and tied grasses, pelts, dried meat, foraged foods, burn bowls, bush buckets, all these things, rabbit sticks. And they walk out and you set that pack that they just came out of the bush with next to the pack that they brought. They'll never, they'll never carry that other pack again. They'll look at that pack and say, I can do so much. I'm a creative person. I have the capabilities. I can do so much. This is, that's the starting point right there where the light bulb goes off and they say, wow, this is the journey I want to go on. It's not for everybody, but it is a journey that a lot of people are seeking out these days. Well, and I think part of why they're seeking it out so much is that it's, um, it's getting back. It's stripping away so much of the noise let's yeah. be honest even yeah. with social media and i know you use it effectively sure. but it's a ton of noise 
It is. And we're bombarded. Radio, television, Netflix, uh, Amazon. Uh, uh, I could go on and go on Instagram, Twitter, yeah. uh, Facebook. Yeah. I mean, it's just so much noise. And to strip it away and to realize I be I'm I'm I can survive yeah. on these this simple it kind of puts you in a better frame of mind. It does. I think it, it gives it, I call it a freedom. It gives you a freedom. Remember when you could go out in the bush and you didn't need a phone or a video camera or any of these things? You could just oh, go yeah. in the bush to be in the bush. I would never, I, I never, I mean, when I started, freaking, if it was a phone, it was a big old brick phone, right? <laughs> or you know? a flip phone uh, yeah. that took a grainy photo. Yeah. You're well, like, I, so, so I, yeah, I remember when I first started hunting, GPSs were really almost non-existent or yeah. out of my price range yeah. at least yeah. and so you had to learn uh, a compass map and compass and a map a paper map yeah. imagine that it's you beautiful. know um and i and i don't get me wrong i'm not the guy that can navigate you know uh, like a, i mean i, I do okay yeah. but I, there's uh land that that i nav that i would i, I would definitely learn something from going to uh, uh, some serious guys sure. land nav uh class um but i think some of these things people need to uh if they could have that foundation and maybe they did choose to okay i'm gonna go on this hell cut and i'm gonna shoot it with a rifle yeah. but to have that confidence to know in a situation i don't need these things exactly. yeah it's it's a balance. I like to say it's a balance for everyone. Some people are very extreme in, in certain aspects of what side that scale tips. Um, but I believe if you find the balance in you know your overall approach, I always say it's 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 a way. It's not necessarily the way. The whatever, way. Oh. whatever way that you choose, just rock and roll with it. Right. Let, let it be your journey. Be right. proud of it. And there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of social media influence, and I can tell you that. I see the pros and cons in it. And it is beneficial from a business standpoint and being able to educate people, inspire people. Well, people you, gotta find you. Yeah, that's- You know, and they gotta find you. I found you through this show uh, a couple years yeah, ago or whatever. first time we linked up, and then, sure. And then I followed you on Instagram and that's kept that connection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, literally, I, I mean, I was really excited to come to this show to, to, to right re, 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 return to our conversation we had sure. last year. Yeah, for sure. And just sparked it up. And last year, I wasn't doing the podcast. So, I, I uh, for me, I was like, I got to get this. I got to get this sure. on on a, uh, a digital file so we can have this because I think it's so important and fascinating to me. So what I need from you, you got so many stories. Can you tell us <laughs> yeah. uh, some stories? What have you encountered? Maybe it's with some people yeah. you took out, something unique, something maybe scary, I, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, gosh, yeah, there's, God, I could go on for hours. Um, <laughs> so let me see. Um, this one time I had these two special forces guys out. They were out in the mountains. Uh, they wanted to kind of rehash or retouch on some of the training that they had gone through uh, years ago, but they wanted a, a refresh, a restart, a new perspective. If and you, you know where they're coming from because you were military. Exactly. So you know the mindset these oh, two yeah. individuals are going to come to you with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The mindset's there. The focus is there. They're there to train. They're there to get better. And I am that tool to enable them to get better. So around the bush, we're doing some tracking. Uh, we're doing some small game trapping, setting up some primitive snares. We're simulating that environment. If they ever had to escape and evade, what could they do that's low visibility, that could yield them food, water, safety, security, so on and so forth. So we set up some snare traps the night before. We're gonna wake up and we're gonna check them. So as we wake up, we don't make a fire, we don't do anything of that capacity because we're trying to keep a low profile, kind of a hostile zone, if you will. 
So we skirt over the top of this little, uh, just this really slight little gain in elevation. I wouldn't even call it a hill. And as we skirt over the top, and everyone's familiar with this, we all get this, we smell something, we smell something. What do we smell? And I know you've, you've smelt it. It's the blood, it's the fresh kill in the air. That odor wafts through your nose and you're like, you can smell the iron of the blood. You can smell that just, that natural odor. And we all look at each other because we've all smelled it before. And we're like, something's dead. Something has died very, very recently, very, very close. So as we walk down the hill, we come across this muley that was just taken by a mountain lion. And when I mean just taken, fresh kill, all appendages fully movable, slight steam coming out of the rear. I mean, it was a fresh kill. We no rigor, no nothing. Nothing, like mm -hmm. totally, totally fresh. You could see the claw marks. And I just do a quick assessment. I'm like, the cat's still here. It's probably a big boy. He's watching us. He heard us coming, probably smelled us coming first, and he's now upset that we we're right around. And he's kid. not far. He is not far. He's watching, and we're, we're close to this rocky ledge just full of all these little perfect hiding spots. The spot you would see a Tom and be like, all right, that's where he's at. So I'm scanning the area, and we're, all of our senses just kind of go up, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, we have a couple different options. This guy earned his meal. He earned his meal. He, he stalked. He pounced. He got his meal. So we're going to give him his meal. But as a professional guide, I'm gonna make sure these two guys are safe. So I'm saying, all right, here's the deal, guys. We're gonna head back to camp. Definitely, here's the situation. You all know, fresh kill. Mountain lions are very active in this area. We need to get out. They give each other, they bust each other's chops for a little bit because they're leaving the, you know, leaving the X, so to speak. And that's very counterproductive for a lot of military folks because they want to stay in the fight. But they leave the X. I walk them to the top of the hill and I say, I'll be right back. They're like, where are you going? I said, I'm gonna get us some breakfast. So. <laughs> I definitely recommend nobody does this, but I slowly, I do a silent stalk back down and my eyes are just fixed on these rock faces. And I know this guy's watching me. I can't see him, but I know he's got eyes on. Now keep in mind, as we walked up and we got to the back of the hill, that top, or that, that uh, muley was pulled a little bit closer to the rocks. So from the time we were starting to walk away to the time that I went back, it got closer to the rock. So I knew he was there and I'm listening. I can hear my wife in my head. Don't do it, don't do it. But I'm like, I want some backstrap. <laughs> so sure as anything, I watch those rocks. I slowly close in. My eyes are fixed the entire time. One foot over another, one foot over another. I reach into my belt. I pull out a small little blade right into the back, slice down the, the spine, stick my hands in, slice underneath, pull out one nice little backstrap, and I science lock back. Walk back to the top of the hill, and I don't even turn and go. I just make my way all the way back, present this nice little strap to him. We have a nice little strap breakfast. We walked back over that hill about an hour or two later. Muley's gone, fresh kill's gone, nothing's there. And I was like, all right. That was a little risky, but I live by the scavenger concept. You know, if you're the bigger prey animal, you're that, that, that group of those hunter-gatherers and you can drive something away to grab a quick meal, then you do that. Now, I didn't want to take it all from that, from that Tom because he definitely earned it, but he needed to share some of it. And that's the respect of the woods. So yeah, it was definitely, a, it was heart pounding because he was there watching and I knew. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, oh. he already moved it. So so in, in that situation, you could you probably had the, the back, the, the hairs oh, on the back of your neck are standing straight up. Without a doubt. What did the guys say when you came back with that? Well, it's it's kind of funny. First, they, they busted my chops, and then they said they've seen it all. Like, we have literally seen it all. Because, you know, you come back with a bloody, a bloody back strap in your hand. It's like, breakfast is on me. They're thinking, what are we doing? This has gone beyond, you know, in, in a very lighthearted kind of like comical way. Like, this is completely insane. But this is exactly what we want to be doing. And with a couple SF guys, they've probably gone through a lot worse than that. But so, yeah, it was just... 
It was an amazing experience. It was good. We had a great meal. We went on with the rest of our day, trapped up some uh, some, some squirrels and various other critters and just kind of went on with it. So. And, and how long were you out there with them? That was that was a five-day piece. Okay. Just five days just kind of hanging out there. And, you know, for them, they wanted to bring their kits that they would use in an, e &A, uh, an right. escape innovation right, right, sort of right, situation. Right, right. So that's what we had. They even had a little small uh, sidearm on them. But it was kind of like, hey, sidearms, you know, they're out of play right now. So if, if it really came down to it, clearly I know you would use that, the capacity that you need to use it. But in this out here, it's just for weight, carry, familiarization, so on and so forth. So. Okay, talk me through your kit. Yeah. In a situation like that, you showed it to me over there a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I've got a picture of it, so I'll show it. Uh, what, what, talk me through those pieces. Yeah, so in my standard kit, and let's say if it's a primitive kit, it is uh, a blade, usually some sort of a stone blade. Uh, very similar to that teardrop shape, about the size of a def deck of a card. Um, and it's, it's shaped to do a lot of things. I can definitely open up all manner of beasts with it. I can carve all manner of fireboards and shape a lot of things with it. And I saw it, I noticed it almost kind of looks serrated yeah. because of the way you made it. Absolutely, yeah. So that's, that's a technique called pressure flaking. So once you've established the edge of a blade, you can remove individual flakes and will give it a slight serration. And instead of slicing, it almost lacerates. And okay. it just keeps it very, very sharp. And it's very easy to resharpen it with an antler tine or a hard piece of wood. That's, that's the pressure flaking. Okay. So that's the blade, if you will. The blanket is either two things. Uh, one of them is called a patu, which is uh, a large wool blanket but it's more long than it is wide. And it's from the, the men of the Hindu Kush out in the mountains. They would use these blankets to keep them warm at night. They would wrap themselves up into it. And they would, uh, they would also, you know, store their gear in it. So that's kind of what I use on the more modern side. On the not so modern side, I'll use a, a tan piece of, uh, of hide. I'll bring out a buckskin of some okay. capacity. Okay. I'll wrap it up as well. So that's my blanket. Uh, my bottle, if I'm going to go on the kind of the high-tech side, I'll bring a steel bottle. If I'm going to go on the low-tech side, I'll just bring a wooden bowl or I'll bring an animal skull, typically some sort of deer skull mm -hmm. or a little gourd. And what that allows me to do is just hot rock boil. I can heat up rocks, drop them on the inside, and then have a clean uh, water drinking system. You were talking about purification that um, in a situation everybody wants to see the, the, the what, 215-degree boil, yeah, 220, yeah. whatever. 212, yep. 212 yeah, bo rolling boil. But in actuality, what's the temperature you said that it... Yeah, so a lot of waterborne pathogens, once you get to about 160, 165, that's when they all start to die because we cook our meats at that target range. Like, we don't want to go below it because, you know, they're not going to die. So once we hit that 160, 165, they're already dying. And once we go from 160 all the way up to 212, we have no real visual way of confirming that we reached the 212, the boiling, uh, you know, the boiling capacity. But what we can see is the boil. We so, can so see we, and, we, and then we say, okay, it's clean now. Now it's clean, yeah, because right. nothing's going to live from 160 to 212. I, the, I mean, yes, there are some microorganisms in very unique places that live in that environment in some of these hot springs, but not out of your standard mountain stream. Right. So you boil it out. You watch for the boil. Once it's boiled, that's your visual confirmation. And that's going to get rid of your... Gerardia, Gerardia Cryptosporium, yeah, yeah. waterborne pathogens, right. viruses, okay. all that sort of good stuff. So yeah, so after I have my aspect of a bottle, it turns to the burn. On the high side, you could take something like a ferro rod or a piece of flint and steel. On the low side, you just harvest something out there. Uh, you build a bow drill friction fire set or a hand drill friction fire set. Now that kit, again, is the hardest thing to create. It's very hard 
to make those things out in the bush. You know what I mean? It's hard to make a blanket. It's hard to make a bottle. It's hard to make a blade as well as creating a fire mechanism. But those four pieces allow you to go longer, farther, and do far more when you're just trying to venture out there or just hunt game or just kind of live off the land forage for food. Hmm. So yeah. you see shows like Alone, yeah. you know, where they're allowed, I think, 10 items or something. Yeah. And, and you see the smart ones, yeah. especially when they were, they were on uh, which island it's, it gets like the most amount of rain of, uh, oh. where, where, you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. off the coast there. Um, Kodiak Co- Island? It was it not, Kodiak? not Kodiak. It was something. Anyway, it was literally like a, a, a rainforest, uh, yeah. but it's off of the coast of Alaska there. Yeah. And... Um, I'll think of the name here in a second. Um, but they always had, fire was so important. Absolutely. Because it's such a wet environment. But then because it's such a wet environment, they, even with uh, a feral rod or something like that, they were having, a, they still had a hard time. The key was the kindling and, and it was the actual, which we all learned in Boy Scouts, if mm-hmm. you were some type of, how to make a fire. Absolutely. And it all comes down to the tinder. Absolutely. And the ability to find dry tinder in a wet environment. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming assuming in your situation it's the same thing about building the basis of your whether it be your bow and and what do you call the base of of when you're starting a fire that's a hearth board your okay hearth your hearth board, board. Yeah, or your so, baseboard because that's important absolutely because it's got to be able to be get the friction so then you can get your ember absolutely. and then you can take your tinder bowl yep. or your tinder ball and um so in a situation here we live in colorado we yeah. don't get that much rain it's a drier climate sure um, do you still find the difficulty to, to, in the wild like that, to get those raw materials? I could imagine if you yeah. went out there and it had been three days of rain, yeah. you're still dealing with extremely wet conditions. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I can tell you, you know, I make a lot of primitive fire. Some days I feel like an artist. Some day I feel like I'm just coloring with crayons. Because the weather, the environment, my overall demeanor, my physical energy can be, you know, depleted. And it's hard to make a fire in that primitive standpoint, a friction fire. Um, For me, I know a lot of resources out here. And if one doesn't work, what I won't do is spend four or five hours trying it. I'll turn to something You'll else. You'll switch I'll tactics. switch it up. Switching tactics. It's just like in a hunt, mm-hmm. you know, playing the playing the weather, playing the wind. Oh, there's so many times yeah. you, you switch from uh, sitting in a ground blind, next thing you know, you're belly crawling, exactly. spotting and stalking exactly. because that's what the conditions or that hunt calls for. And, that's, yeah. and I think that's what a lot of outdoorsmen, hunters, anglers, uh, you know, just people that are out in the bush, they understand that. If this isn't working, I need to mix it up. I need to change it up. Calories are, are important. Time is important. Light is important. All those are factors to get to that end state. Whether right. it's a fire, whether it's tagging that bull, whatever the case may be, you have to make that decision. So for me, when it comes to friction fire, and I'm going to resource something from the environment, I teach a very simple concept. When you see it, you take it. Whether it's tall grass, dry grass, dried leaves. Uh, Even the, if you don't need it at that moment. Exactly. You're gonna, you know you're going to need it later, so you're basically grocery shopping. Exactly. Yeah, the forest is a, is, is a grocery store. If I'm starting at a lower elevation and I know I'm walking up to a higher elevation, my, my aisles, my, my grocery store mm-hmm. is, is going to change. So if I see it now... I start filling myself up with it, you know, whether it's dry grasses or the perfect tinder, like the mullen, the great mullen that's out here. Those dry leaves are great for a tinder along with grass. Uh, underneath the, when an aspen falls over and the bark starts to shed itself, it gets very fibrous. That's another great tinder. So knowing as I move in elevations up and down, what options are available. When I see it, I take it because you never know. You might need it three hours from now and you're going to be thinking, oh, 
Yeah, and one of these high country mountain storms moves in, <laughs> you got to build a fire because you've got to get your body heat. Absolutely. You know, because that, I mean, let's be honest, the, 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 the majority, I don't know if this is true, but I think the majority of danger that comes uh, in this situation is not being prepared or yep. being caught unprepared. Exactly. And in a situation like that, hypothermia sets in. Oh, absolutely. Our, our minds don't think yep. as clearly when we get to a, a certain threshold mm-hmm. of shivering. And, mm-hmm. and so we've got to be able to be, and so you're in that situation thinking ahead and then you find that niche, that little cutout where you do have some dry, where you can start to work, you can yeah. build a fire, you can start to build, create that warmth. And then once you have that, once you have your fire, are you, do you feel, okay, I'm good? Yeah, you know, in that situation where the weather's moving in, uh, daylight is slowly disappearing, and I need warmth, uh, yeah, I start to feel a lot better. It fires that that natural. It, it, it's it it's amazing, so, it, right? It, it lightens your oh, mood. It is amazing what it, it does. That I yeah. love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. It's, you know, a lot of a lot of hunters, and and you've talked about this too. The 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 the. the the old uh, the, the smoke baths yeah. and stuff like that. A lot of hunters they go, oh, we don't have a, I don't, I don't, I don't make a a, a fire in camp. And I've always gone, why? Yeah, that's, that's it, to me. It doesn't make sense. Well, it's going to scare all the. Well, nah. actually, it's a natural. Boom! Right there. It it's is a, a natural yep. or, odor. Um, now they still might smell me, and that might scare them away. Sure. But for me, I I don't have a problem. I don't dry camp or or, or cold camp. I don't know mm-hmm. what they call it where where you don't have a fire. I know a lot of backpackers are like, we don't have fire because we don't want to. You know, we're hunting. We well, that doesn't matter. Yeah, our ancestors built thousands of fires and hunted endless amounts of game and it never was a hindrance on them. Right. I think I think a smoke bath is a very smart choice because again that smell exists in nature. Lightning strikes, burns through an area, right. you know that you get the residual burns on those trees, a windy day it's blowing that smell. It's a natural odor. Why not be part of a natural odor? You know, it just makes sense for me and it's it's very easy to do. You build a small little ground fire let that smoke billow up into you and you know away you go on your hunt how so. did you learn the botany is that the word i want to use the 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 the, the what can i eat what can i yeah. not eat absolutely yeah that's come from a lot of research it's come from a lot of uh you know trial out in the bush um curiosity right what can i eat what things exist do you in? just ch- eat something and then see how your body reacts because <laughs> uh, i, I don't mean recommend that could be that. deadly yeah absolutely i don't recommend uh trying that but i have a very good you know vast working knowledge of some of the plants around colorado and it goes beyond when they exist in their edible form what do i mean by that is how the mullen plant grows in its first year and its first spring is far different compared to its second year uh during fall so it's good to know the full mm. lifespan of a plant and when you can take it, what's the optimal time to take it. So, yeah, there's, you know, purslane, there's wood sorrel, there's watercress, there's all these different edibles that are around here. But when is the most advantageous time to take it? That takes research. It takes actually, and I call it ground truth. You know ground truth. Mm-hmm. You're out on a, you know, on a hunt. You know you're hunting this area because you spent the day scouting it learning you know watching weather reports doing all the things that you do to scout that area you have the ground truth to do an effective hunt it's the same thing for me it's a ground truth of understanding the plants the flora the fauna that exists in this area to live within it once you understand that it's just like walking to a grocery store i mean purslane is one of those great plants uh it's it's a very unique plant but it has a lot of vitamin c in it and i love to catch trout 
And I'll have to take the purslane, put it inside the trout. It gives me a nice little citrusy flavor mm. on my trout. It tastes mm -hmm. delicious. All of the sorrels, wood sorrel. Um, I think there's over about 400, or just under 500 different species of sorrel. And it is a very citrusy plant, and it tastes great in everything. Salads, watercress. You know the nettles that are out here? Mm -hmm. There's tons of nettles. Uh, thistle, one of my favorites. Really? Thistle is great. I hate great. thistle. <laughs> exactly. But you can eat thistle raw. It's a direct consumption. You get those prickly leaves, you peel them off, and you eat that stem. Not only are you getting hydrated, but you're getting some decent little uh, vitamins and good minerals on the inside. You pull up the entire tuber, roast it in some coals. It's like eating a baked potato. Really? Yeah, it's so good. It's all right, all right. <laughs> we we we're about to get kicked out of this place. But but I I wanted to sit down and and I feel like we don't have enough time. But I, what I want to do is I want to tell people how to find you. I want to uh, start. You and I make a plan. I want to yeah. do it like a, a one of these deals. Yeah, let's do it. And um, now. It won't be completely uh, because I'm gonna have. I want to film it. Yeah, let's bring our kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I want. I'll have a cameraman, so it'll be sure. kind of like you know we're kind of uh, uh, going uh, native, but yet not going. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? I totally agree. But because I want to, I want to document yeah. it because for me, um, all right. My daughter and I used to, and it's a very fond memory for me. We used to watch. Um, it was the husband and wife team that would go out. Oh. What was that? Uh, um, Man, Woman, Wild. Man, Woman, yeah, Wild. absolutely. And that was our favorite show. Yeah. Because here he was, his survival kind of mm -hmm. kind of military, and his wife was total opposite. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we loved it. And then um, we ended up, uh, I would plan trips in Daddy Daughter Wild. Awesome, man. And we would go, and I'd pack a backpack, and she'd pack a backpack, and she didn't know I had s'mores, oh, you know, man. whatever. But I'd, I'd, I'd awesome. put this stuff in, and we'd, we're almost done. We're, we're almost done. <laughs> we're we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for being patient. The, the, the people here are awesome. I'm parked back. back. The in back. the back okay uh so uh, they're so gracious yeah, letting us stay here sure. after everybody closed um and and we would hike up to a place and um we would we would t get water and then we would boil water yeah. and then um we would we would do these things now there was no hunting season so sure. we couldn't uh, take our own but we would look through and we i would have yeah. a couple of things of rock climbing and how yeah. would we traverse this and and, yeah. and 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 then we'd set up our little tent and that's um, good stuff. That really is. Man. That was a great bonding time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't. I don't have enough knowledge to mm. really teach her safely. Like I would sure. probably go out there, and I think I could probably survive. I might lose some weight. You could. But um, I didn't want to do that with her because I. She was so young. I wanted mm. her to enjoy it. And it. You know, we never hiked in real deep. One time we went on a four-mile hike. Nice. And but it was. I didn't realize the elevation change was so ah, drastic, yeah. and she was money she That's did awesome. so great um so uh i would like to learn um again not that this is how i'm going to hunt all the way sure. back but you know what i'd like to do is i'd like to go and set up something where we could go where the game is abundant yeah. where we could um you know uh, i've shot a traditional bow stuff like that but even to a point to where maybe we we went and set some traps and, yeah. and uh, maybe even did some bow hunting or something Absolutely. like that um and really get enjoy that journey whether or not you end up uh killing anything yeah. trophy quality i don't uh, care about that it's about the meal it's about the meal the it's, and the bond yeah absolutely so brother. i would like to set up you know let's start planning towards yeah, that yeah let's do that and um in the meantime 
I want to ask you a couple more questions. Sure. One of them being, I know you're doing a lot of stuff where you're like a consultant. Like you're coming into these <laughs> yeah. movie sets or stuff. Mm-hmm. They're doing a film and you're stepping in to show them. So it's number one, they don't look like idiots, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can tell them, look, that, that that's not even consistent with the period. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so I've been seeing you've been doing. Tell us yeah, a little bit yeah. about that. So, um, yeah, I started kind of branching into the, the, the TV and the movie consulting as far as a technical uh, expert when it comes to uh, period-specific pieces. So, I, you know, I did a movie not too long ago with a, a company called Onion Creek Productions. It was a movie called Napper. It was about a, a, a late archaic hunter-gatherer and his trials and tribulations as a hunter-gatherer. He was a better flint napper than he was a hunter, and his brother was the better hunter, and he was the better napper. And, you know, his wife gave him the breeze because he wasn't bringing home the food. It was right, just, sure. it's kind of a really, 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 it's a really awesome story. But, uh, yeah, so I, the director gave me a call and said, hey, um, would you build us some atlatls, some time-specific atlatls, which is, you know, a primitive hunting tool. And I said, yeah. So we kind of got to talking, and he's like, I just need you down here. What can you do? And I kind of laid it all out. These are my, you know, capabilities. These are my limitations. And next thing you know, I was down on set, uh, cutting the head off deer, catching fish in a stream, building shelters, uh, just outfitting the entire production with the time-specific, you know, hides and pelts and robes and and weaponry and pottery and just everything. And How what cool we, was that? Oh man, it was amazing. It was it was one of those experiences where I can look back and say, you know what, that was a, that was once in a lifetime sort of thing right. it's, it was absolutely amazing fortunately for me it it's turned into something not <laughs> once in a lifetime because i'm lining up uh another sort of uh pilot shoot for a tv show that's going to be on uh, one of the major uh online so you have like netflix and amazon it's going to be one of those series of shows right. it's going to be the pilot and i'm going to be the technical survival consultant for that it's going to be out in the southern deserts by big bend texas Ooh. I spent some time in Terlingua. Yeah, that's right where it is. Right so, up, so I right when you Terlingua. when you drive down there yeah. and you see all those rock bluffs, yeah. I blasted all that uh, rock. No I was kidding. 22 years old, <laughs> and I was the blasting contractor no on that kidding. job. Yeah, no kidding. I spent six months down there. Oh man, it's beautiful, isn't uh, it? Oh, it's yeah. it's people go down there. Go, oh, there's nothing. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, it's I'm, so gorgeous. It's going to be a gray one. This one's actually called Contrabando. It's about a Texas drug smuggler. So I'm going to be one of the uh, the consultants on it dealing with a lot of safety because it's kind of remote so you know having a wilderness first responder wilderness first aid right. so dealing in that capacity doing any sort of riggings walking point clearing out snakes and if any emergencies arise i'll be on hand to definitely right. take care of it so that's exciting yeah, you got a lot you got a lot in, yeah. in, the, in okay you know, well let's let's stay in touch yeah, and tell um, t- 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 the people how they can get a hold of you absolutely yeah you can definitely uh you can follow me on all social media uh you can also go to paleo track survival so uh, on dot, social media what's your yeah social media on instagram it's uh donnie dust underscore paleo tracks uh, on facebook it is just paleo track survival um, on YouTube, it's uh, Paleo Track Survival as well. Uh, and then my website is paleotracksurvival.com, and I have course listings. And people can find out, hey, I yeah. want to do this, and then they, he, they can get with you yep. and, and set that up. Give me a call. We can okay. uh, shoot emails. And I also keep abreast of kind of, I call it the beat, what's going on, and Donnie, whether I'm working on this movie or I'm doing this show or these different podcasts. Um, yeah, I kind of keep people okay. abreast of what's going on. So, yeah, check it out. Well, dude, thank you for sitting oh, down. You, you have been you've been hammered. Every every time I walked by the booth, you had, you just had tons of people. Oh, man, and you, a, so I'm glad battle. I'm glad we stuck around yeah, to do this because man. this is something that for 
me, I, I'm fascinated by it, number one. <laughs> and number you. two, uh, you are so unassuming. You're so uh, approachable. I appreciate and, it. And, it. and it makes it easy for somebody who says, dude, I don't know what to do. I, mean, I go out and I kill a lot of animals with a, yeah. a bow. That's awesome. Okay, that's yeah. great. But everything I have is, is pretty high tech, you know, and, and, and in a way, I would like to step back and yeah. test myself. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. And I think we should, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's, let's not, you know, end it here. Let's just let this be the, the first draw of that, you know, the bow to start shooting those arrows so we can get out in the bush and start doing some filming and, you know, kind of reconnecting with some of our roots. And I'm, I'm happy part of that process with you. Awesome. Well, yeah, man. and you know, thanks for, thanks for taking the time for, for, for the listeners, guys, you guys need to reach out to Donnie. He's, he's uh, amazingly approachable and great guy. And I'm, I'm glad to call him a friend. Yeah, man. Uh, sure. and, and as always, we, this podcast is called Inspired Wild. All right on. And that's the reason yeah it's you you uh exemplify that and so like donnie like myself we encourage you to to go out find what inspires you in your wild that might be your grandpa's back 80. we're yeah. fortunate to have the rocky mountains right yeah, at our doorstep wherever that is go out embrace it god bless and we will talk to you guys later <laughs>